You're listening to the Digital State of Mind podcast with your host, Jessica Hawks, where we get honest about all things entrepreneurship, balancing life and business, and navigating the world in a digital age. Hello, hello, Erica. You should uh, you should take over my intro. Yes, I should. Like a- <laughs> What's up, bitches? It's your girl Jess Hogs here to teach you how to fuck your shit up in your biz. <laughs> you just I'm, I pretend I'm you. Two months introducing Jess Hogs. You just interview me the whole time. <laughs> no, I'm like, okay. next episode when I come back. That's gonna be how it goes. Yes, and I want to be on yours. No, I know you are on my list of things. It's just there's this thing called energy and I just don't have it right now. I know I sound like I have energy, but like I just, I go through phases with my podcast. I have like a very, it's a very healthy, but some, some would call it toxic relationship with my podcast where like I try to fuck with it so hard and I see the results and people love it. And then I go like three months without putting out an episode. I and then know. the only reason sometimes I actually get back in is because people are like, hey babe, like not to stress you out, but like what are you doing like we need to <laughs> like, so um, fuck. okay so it's very like externally motivated it's so Bye. much work it's like it's hard sometimes to listen to yourself talk like the the ones that the episodes I do with guests I'm like okay this is good and then when I try to record one by myself I'm like shut up stop no talking. same and and honestly same and I was listening to Sophia um that girl, Sophia with an F, like half of Call Her Daddy. Like, I don't like Call Her Daddy, but. Oh, yeah. Was, Which one is she? Is she the blonde one or the she's brunette? She's the dark haired one. Anyways. Is I was she the like, one that got like kicked out? Yeah, but like, I don't know. Like, there's like a lot of drama and I'm like so new on. Oh, no. So like, I just hated Call Her Daddy to begin with. So like, I have uh-huh. no emotional feelings. But randomly yeah. in my like skew of episodes, one of hers came up and she was saying something among the lines of like, podcasting alone is literally so fucking hard. So if you're a podcaster. I know. Who, it doesn't have a ho like co-host like you are better than everyone and I <laughs> I don't have a lot of value in who she is like as a but I but I I, I felt very seen by her so I get what yeah. you're saying I have never listened to an episode of call her daddy in my life this ever. is why I fuck with you though because I know you're my people like I don't I even know, know like, I know what it's about I just like I, I, I started listening to the one because they did that interview like the blonde girl did the interview with Jamie Lynn Spears and I was like ooh this might be dramatic and then I was like bored out of my mind so I was like alright anyways I know I kind of was like the fact that Alex has Jamie Lynn Spears when all this is going on right now to talk I really know. just spoke tremendous volumes for me but I, know. I just like I think I just talk shit about Call Her Daddy so much that I almost need to stop because I'm really scared I'm going to get like an, like a, like, <laughs> like, 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 yeah, yeah, like, I think there's not one episode of my entire life as a podcast, like, guest or host that I don't uh-huh. talk shit on Call Her Daddy. That's just your whole podcast is just doing that. 
I have to <laughs> so a whole episode for it because I had to get it out of my system and it's my highest listened episode to date. Really? I call her mommy. No, I call it call me mommy and I was talking shit about them, just like talking about all the problems. Not just being a hater, but like the the episode, but also to like the company of Call Her Daddy is like yeah, by our stool, which like right. we know is just like such a great um company not yes so uplifting and empowering super empowering (laughs) and totally aligned with our values so you should you should create like a sub podcast called call me mommy don't give me ideas don't give me ideas (laughs) jet immediately and be like it was jessica (laughs) you're my co-host for it We both just our businesses just crumble. Business owners, uh, but talking shit about another business. Okay. Oh man. Well, uh, clearly we're gonna get off on tangents on this episode. Uh, I wish that everyone could have seen us trying to set up. Erica got new earbuds. I got a new mic, and we were just struggle central before this. It was slightly embarrassing. It was embarrassing because. Well, that's the thing, right? It's like, it's not even like that we're just business owners, but we are like two years into the pandemic where our whole world <laughs> exists online. So it's like, how are we still running into the problem where my AirPods won't connect to my laptop? I know. We're like, I can't use the Bluetooth. <laughs> Why buy this shit if it don't even work? <laughs> if it don't uh, even work. <laughs> Uh, we just turn into like super southern (laughs) no because i love doing accents and at some point in this podcast maybe at some point my british one will come out and everyone loves my british accent but i just love i love doing accents i just think it's such a great way to express yourself in a different in a different language it's so funny me and my friends will do like country accents and all the time when we're in public we're like it's some people are gonna think that this is like genuinely <laughs> how we sound like some people will say to me before i've had people say like oh your southern accent came out and i was like dude you're like it's, no it's, it's just put on shots of tequila more than i should <laughs> yeah oh yeah we should have done that dang it we should have well no oh are you you're sober right i'm sober i'm now i want to talk well. to you about that yeah should we maybe like just shut the fuck up and maybe start fresh from the beginning. <laughs> we are five minutes and 26 seconds into this episode. And yes. I have no clue who the fuck I am. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, what is happening? Okay. I, want, I do want to remember to come back to that if you feel comfortable talking about it. Because I'm really interested. Okay, cool. So 100%. welcome to the Digital State of Mind podcast. Our guest today is Erica. I, I always call you Erica Eileen, but is it Erica Arthur? perfect. Arf? So my, okay. my legal last name is Arf, but um, due to like some decisions made in the last couple of years, I go by Erica Eileen now. Okay, good. That's what I always call you. Okay. Yes. So, so oh, Erica oh. is amazing. I've known Erica for years now. You, I, yeah, we met like, uh, I don't even know when we met, but I remember looking at your page before I even be, like Popped officially off. started my VA page because you know Erin, who I took her program to learn how to become a VA. So I remember stalking Erica and that was before your page got deleted like your first page amongst many that have gotten deleted so yeah, we're gonna talk about that one, my second one my third one or my fourth one <laughs> yep so I'm super excited to have Erica here. She has guest spoken in every single round of Digital Creatives Academy. Everyone loves her. You're always a favorite. She's a rep in the DCA hoodie right now. If you if you could all see the video, we need to start posting these on YouTube or something. Totally. Um, I'm so proud to wear my sweater. I love it. So cute. Okay, so Erica, tell everyone who you are, how you got started, and how your business has evolved over the past few years. 
Yeah, totally. Well, I just want to say thanks for having me on and also just like always supporting me, whether it's having me of on course. guest speaking or on like close friends stories, talking shit. Like mm-hmm. genuinely, I love not only you, but the community that you've built as well. And it's just such a great place for me to be. So yeah, my name is Erica Eileen. I'm 28 years old. Actually, no, I'm, I lied. I'm 29. And um, I'm from Toronto. And my story started with a diagnosis of type 1 diabetes. So when I was seven, I was diagnosed really randomly on a ski trip with type 1. And with type 1 diabetes, or even just with a diabetic um, diagnosis in general, instantly you are categorized and stigmatized against the way that you look, um, your body, the way that your family like literally raised you because there's so much stigma and stereotyping around what diabetes represents. And that's totally fair. 90% of diabetics as a whole are one type of diabetic, which is type two. So it makes Mm -hmm. sense why marketing and most people recognize diabetes to be connected to that. But I really struggled with my diagnosis because I then had to start focusing on my food. I had to start focusing on the way that I was living. I had to think about my future far more in advance than most seven-year-old children. And so even though I was this really outgoing, happy, bubbly person, um, I really struggled with my self-worth because when your body essentially stops working, on you. There's a lot of language that you develop around like, I'm not capable enough, my body failed me, I'm not good enough, like I fucked up, I did something wrong. And as a seven year old developing those thoughts, like not typically would you see seven year olds really starting that maybe until a little bit later. So that carried through a lot of my my preteens and my teenage years. And the problem with everything that was going on for me was that, like I said, I had this really outgoing personality, I had really high energy, but I really truly hated myself. And the way that I felt about my disease and feeling different about that really trickled into every single part of my life. And I was never like a quote unquote, like big kid, as people would explain it, but I didn't really fit into the society of what like the society standards of what like a teenager should look like. And so it just added a lot of layers. And so preteen life is difficult in and itself, but then you add a chronic disease to it. And it's just a whole different um, way of living, essentially. So that was part of my life. In through that, I developed a lot of disordered living habits. So um, using my life-saving medicine and using food and exercise to manipulate the way that my body looked in hopes to, again, fit in. It's not like a different story from everyone else. We've all been there at some point. And it wasn't until I went away to university that I actually started to understand just how much I hated myself and how problematic my thoughts were. So um, I went to university, I did physical health and gender equality. And in my gender equality program, we were learning about privilege, and then all of the oppressions that exist. So I am a white woman, I am like, very privileged not only because I'm white, but also because I am pretty able-bodied, even though I'm a disabled person, but also too, like my family grew up with a lot of money. And so I knew that there was disadvantages, but I didn't understand what oppression was and privilege was. And so I took this gender course and I started to learn about fat phobia and I learned about anti-black and I learned about all these systems in place that make us feel like absolute shit. And I got real angry because I was like, oh my God, I have been disordered eating, disordered living, like so obsessed with the way that I look, so obsessed with health from what I knew what health was at the time. And then I was like, oh, holy shit. Not only is it like totally fucked up that there's systems and industries in place that are made to make me feel like crap about myself, but they are rooted in the oppression of other folks. 
And that was my game changer for me. So as I started to study gender equality and social justice, my other degree in physical health and education really became inadequate to me. Like I was just like, this is really like, this doesn't make sense for me anymore. But I went through with it. And throughout those four years, I went from really not understanding what it meant to be a confident person to detaching my worth from my looks, my beauty, my, my grades, my income, all the things that I really needed to do to do to actually understand what it felt like to just genuinely like yourself. So after mm-hmm. school, I ended up going to Australia and it was there that I really had to test a lot of these um, new ways of thinking for me. So I was living there. I was in a six year relationship at the time, but I had to essentially learn how to trust myself that I could leave a relationship and leave Canada and leave my jobs and go and do something. I had to learn to love my body the way that it looked because I was on the beach every single day. I had to trust that I could navigate the world. I had to trust that I could pull myself out of situations. And that takes a lot of confidence to do. So that experience in and itself really heightened what I knew, what I thought I knew, but it actually was like, okay, yeah, like you actually like have... You've, you figured it out. And so as I got more and more obsessed with learning about self-worth, I started to share my story online. So I started sharing uh, almost like blog style, like using my Instagram mm-hmm. as a diary in 2015. And a lot of people really understood my story. They felt really connected to it because I was open about sharing about what it's like to be a disabled person, but be like completely abled, quote unquote, in air quotations, to the naked eye. A lot of people really understood what it was like to, you know, be stigmatized. A lot of people understood what it was like to like have this pressure from society to look a certain way. And so I started sharing a lot about my body confidence issues, which then trickled into really developing a deeper understanding of who I was. And so that was in 2015. And then now, um, 2019, I started working as a nanny, not a nanny, but like as a preschool teacher in a school because everyone told me that I was great with kids. Everyone told me that I needed a job with benefits to pay for my diabetes stuff. And I Mm -hmm. did that, but I hated it. Like I hated it so much. And I was just like, okay, this is like not where my heart is. My heart is really in helping people. My heart is really in supporting people with what I know. And I had enough qualifications and I had enough understanding to know that I could do that. So in 2019, I started doing events for people in person before COVID was a thing. And then in the middle of 2019, I quit my job um, and I hired my first business coach who I found online. I didn't even know that the online space was a thing. And I actually think that I got in like, right yeah I think like I was like at the peak of when it really when people were like oh I could be coaches like I can Mm -hmm. be online and so I started my business doing confidence coaching supporting people with body image and it just took off so I started doing that people then started to understand that I had a very deep understanding about sexuality because a lot of the courses I took in university were regulated and around um, body image and sexuality around pornography and body image. And that was where my interest was. So I went from confidence coaching. And then a lot of that was also sex coaching. And then it was helping people in their business. And now it is 2022. And I am now just recently, and this is like, for anyone who's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I didn't either for the last three years, but I just kept going. I stuck to what I knew. And I followed what I was excited about. And now I can 
confidently say that I am a sex and confidence or sorry, sex and confidence coach for business owners. So for my people who are really like highly attached to their income, highly attached um, to their business and what they are capable of doing, but have a hard time connecting to their sensual side or their sexual side and feeling confident in other areas of their life. So that's like missing a lot of pieces because my story is really fucking wild, but like, long story short, that's, that's how I got here. So you must have like, I didn't realize you, like, I don't know why I just hadn't even like processed the, the fact that you started in like late-ish 2019. So probably when I found you, that was like right near when you were starting and you really had already taken off. Cause I remember when I found you, you were already at 10 K followers and that was the account that you had lost. That was like the pink branding. I think your hair was still blonde. Yeah. You know what? That that was. So yeah, you would have found me then because Erin was working for my business coach as her VA. And then Mm -hmm. that's how Erin and I became close. And then she started taking on people then. So it was really, yeah, it was really, it was really interesting. It was really wild. And it's been, it's been long, but it's also been a really short journey. Like I still feel like I'm super new in my business. Yeah, so much can happen within a short amount of time online. We've talked about that on the podcast, and it's crazy how much it, yeah. it evolves over a short amount of time. I went from, like, my first month in business, I made, like, $2,500, and that was my goal. Like, when I signed up with my yeah. client, with my business coach, I was like, 2500 is where I want to be. Like, I'm so happy with that. And then by month three, I was making, like, 12K a month. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. But when you have that skill, and like I I have a lot of nuance in a lot of what I'm saying also too. So please take everything that I say with like recognition that there's so much more than the sentence mm-hmm. that I say. But the some people truly genuinely can just get it and we're made for it. And some people yeah. have to learn the skill and it takes them a bit of time. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that they're incapable, but I truly believe that sharing my story and learning how to navigate online and showing up and having fun and creating a community for so long really just prepped me so perfectly to jump into this this business and I also have a background in having other businesses I used to sell scrunchies um with my girlfriend Mm -hmm. I've like always been the little kid on the street that's like hey how can I make money today so yeah but really truly I do have that skill and to be completely transparent I had the confidence so I literally quit my job and then two weeks later gave away every single dollar that I owned and I don't support that at all I don't think it's a smart way to go about things however I had so much confidence in myself that it was going to work It wasn't out of scarcity. I just was like, yeah, like I've been doing this and I know I can do it. And the people that aren't even paying me right now are seeing mad life transformations. Imagine what could happen if I can actually hone in and help people one-on-one. Yeah. And that is such a huge part of business is your confidence. I mean, it's like everything you can start out with no, like zero knowledge at all. And if you have confidence in yourself and, and confidence enough to like be open on your social media, that will take you so far, farther than if you were like an expert in all something the offering a service. Yeah. It's I have crazy. a lot of haters and I know this is kind of like the topic that we're kind of like talking about today as well, but I have a lot of haters who yeah. really truly hated on me at the beginning of my business because they were like, yeah. how the fuck do you get to come on here and all of a sudden have high success and do your shit when I've been mm-hmm. trying and I have this background and I have right. this course and I'm like, because I have the confidence to like fuck up. Yeah. Honestly, like I have publicly failed more times than I'd like to admit, whether it's a personal fail that I shared online and really like had to learn through, whether it was like fucking up in terms of social justice or like 
the words that I was using or the actions that I was doing or the people I was aligning myself with or Mm -hmm. actually just fucking up in business and being like, okay, like I launched a program and nothing worked and I didn't make any sales or people were like, you sent me the wrong email and it says hot dogs in it. Like what the fuck are you doing? Like (laughs) I was so confident to just own absolutely everything that came my way. Yeah. And that's, I think that it can cause a lot. Whenever you see someone that's really confident, if you aren't secure in yourself, that can bring up a lot of really uncomfortable things for you as a person. Yeah. And And I think it's hard for a lot of people too, because it's like mm -hmm. you automatically start being like, well, she has A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And so we start Mm -hmm. like automatically building this bigger bridge against the two people. And what I like Mm -hmm. to tell my clients is like, if you're triggered or, and I don't really love the word triggered, but if you feel uncomfortable around someone's existence, it's likely because they've got something in them that you have in you that's not awakened yet. So instead of continuing to be like, well, this is this and she does this and she does this and she got handouts. It's like, no, look at the similarities instead because y'all are so fucking close to the people that you compare yourself to and get triggered by. But it's like you, we instantly just want to build that bridge deeper rather than being like, actually, I can close this gap and realize that like what Erica's doing or how she's living her life is very much capable for me as well. Yeah, and you've had the students in DCA do an exercise before where you have them message someone who they feel that way about and compliment them or say something that they admire about them. And I think that is just so, it's such a small thing to do that can impact you so much by just like recognizing, okay, I'm thinking that I'm jealous of this certain thing, but in reality, I'm really admiring it because yeah, it's something that I can see myself achieving or something that I, something that I want to be able to emulate myself. And I think that that is like, everyone who's listening, go do that. Pause the episode, go do that. And I'll tell you this. So I started my business in 2019. One of my clients from 2019 messaged me the other day. I was on my stories talking about how I learned how to actually have a space for my emotions in my business. And a lot of people were really like, oh my gosh, like I'm feeling really like called out right now. And one of my clients from 2019 who doesn't have a business, but like has been talking about it for three years, messaged me and she said, I have intense amounts of jealousy towards you right now. And it's making me want to unfollow you so bad. But in 2019, you told me that if I just messaged the person that I was jealous of, that I would heal that frustration and heal that distance between them. And so I'm messaging you right now. I'm taking what you said from three years ago. I'm so proud of you. I know I can do it myself. And it's just been so inspiring watching you grow. And I was like, that's it, bitch. Like, that's it right there. Good job. Yeah. And that's what I'm like. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Because she easily could have just gone and unfollowed me. She could have then Mm -hmm. felt bad about herself because of her not trying hard enough or whatever. But instead she was like, no, I'm sticking around this person rather than being like really bothered by them. And it's just really inspiring. And it just helps you feel like when you put hate towards someone or jealousy or anger, it doesn't feel good for you. Like people want to feel so good. And so they're like, Oh no, like keep all the things away from me. And it's like, just see them as love. Just see them as your friends. Just see them as your sisters or the people that are like right beside you. Because when you exude love towards someone, like you build that love inside of you. When you exude hate to someone, you think you're passing it off to that bitch on the other side of the screen. No, no, You're building it in front of you. You're building it inside of you. 
I think that's one of the reasons why it's so frustrating with platforms like TikTok to get hate comments because it's so like once you kind of have that knowledge and you are thinking of it that way, it's frustrating because you're like, I wish I could help you. Like, I wish I could help you not feel this way. And that's where like a lot of my frustration comes from is like the and also just not really understanding it. Like, I understand it logically, but I don't understand it. Like, I just don't understand it. what what possesses you to leave these comments yeah like are you sitting on the toilet and scrolling at your job and toilet and you just decide to take 30 seconds to type something out that could ruin someone's day like I just like don't even have the time to like call my grandma sometimes I just have no idea how people are finding the hate for that but you know what though is that like it's also really hard Jess because I know you talk a lot too about really taboo topics and things that people aren't ready to address yet and like as someone who is that the the thing that I always think about too with like hate comments and like I said like my first page got taken down because of so many people hating on me that they like someone hated me so much that they sent their 1 million followers to my page Mm -hmm. and told everyone to report me because they hated what I was like I because I turned them down and told them that their practices in their business were being fat really fat phobic and I don't stand for that and I love this person and I told her that I had a deep love for her and her own progression but I can't support her anymore and she sent her whole 1 million people to report me and my page was gone two hours after she came back from Instagram. Wow. So it's like the thing that I always say too is, is like when, when people are like hating, it's because you are a mirror to the things that they are so deeply scared to work on themselves. So with this fitness influencer that like literally tried to get my page taken away, which it did, like she didn't want to accept that her business practices were really fat phobic and causing probably potential really unhealthy relationships for women and femmes um with their bodies and I and I said like I love you I see you in your journey and it took me a long time to learn this too but like I can't support this and instead of being like hold on maybe what Erica and all these other girls who got also deleted by her maybe they have something that I could learn she just sent everyone and so when you're someone and I know you talk a lot too about like making good money and like trusting yourself and like quitting school and quitting your job like people get really upset by that because you're holding up a mirror that they're like it's like when you hate your body like you know when you don't like your body and you just walk by everything being like head down don't look at the reflection if I don't see it I don't have to worry about it don't look in the mirror don't don't go shopping when you avoid it, it's like that mirror just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And then mm-hmm. at some point there's a freaking microphone, like standing right there being like, here's the mirror, mm-hmm. here's your microphone. Like there's nowhere where you can go now. And it's scary for people to be at that size of a mirror. Right. Well, and with that kind of on the same topic with being so open on social media and having experience, you know, <laughs> a lot of hate, a lot of pages getting deleted whenever I mean especially obviously we have a lot of listeners who are new business owners and you Mm -hmm. speak to them a lot too what what do you really think it's important to be open about on like your on your business page or even Mm -hmm. your social media in general versus like where is that line because it can get really blurred for you as a person and you can end up almost I think sometimes feel like you're being open but then harming yourself in the long run because you are are maybe sharing like too much personal stuff or talking about something that you actually didn't feel comfortable talking about, but you felt pressured to. 
Yep. And I'm going to start my next segment by saying that, again, there's a lot of nuance in what I'm saying. And I, it took me two and a half years to get to this point of understanding. So if you are someone that believes that vulnerability and being open and sharing the good and the bad and everything is amazing, then that's also fine for you. You can have your own choice. I was the bitch that was on her stories, sobbing, crying, sharing screenshots of what my parents said to me when they were hurting me through Mm. my breakup. I shared every little piece of information about my sex life, about my diabetes, about my money, everything. And at the beginning of my journey, I really believed that it was the way to connect with people. And I really thought that I was being such a bad bitch for sharing about a lot of the topics that a lot of people don't want to talk about. And to an extent, absolutely. What I had learned, and this is really in the last six months, I'll be completely transparent since probably August of last year, is that when you open your soul and your heart and your wounds to a lot of opinions, there are a lot of opportunities for people to throw salt on you in your most vulnerable positions. And they end up winning, not you. And it's not about a win or a lose, but it's more so about you end up like when you are talking about things, like it's important to talk Mm -hmm. about it when there's been progression through processing what's going on. I remember like so many times and the reason why I actually had to come to a complete halt with it is because I had someone who was pretty close to me, um, literally like come over to my house and she was like, this is really embarrassing to watch and I love you, but you have no fucking boundaries. And then you get pissed at the people in your audience who are dumping their shit on you. Meanwhile, Mm. you go on live and you go on stories screaming about being banned and screaming about unfair treatment and the way people are treating you and the shit that people are saying. And you're your own worst critic. And I was like, holy Shit. And obviously I was pissed at first. I unfriended her. I told her to leave right. the house. I feel terrible like, at first. Oh I was my like, God. go fuck yourself. I was like, go fuck yourself. And she's a therapist. So the worst part was that she's my friend, but she's also a therapist. And so the yeah. problem was that I was like, you're psychoanalyzing me, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> and now after a year, like I, almost like probably six months of therapy, I realized and recognized back in August, I was like, I don't need to share it all. You don't need to share it all. And you also don't need to. And again, this is like very nuanced and it's going to depend who you ask, but keeping shit to yourself is one, not only really safe for you, but it's also super fucking sexy at the same time. And I think what social media has done, and I, again, I'm saying this from genuine human experience is that it's made us believe that in order to be validated in our journey or in our expertise, that we have to prove our struggle and prove our pain and prove that we have Mm -hmm. worth in talking about what we're talking about and that we Mm -hmm. are normal. And I just want to say that if you are still someone that's scrolling social media and I say this with so much love but if you are still someone that's scrolling social media and being like oh their life is so perfect and you can't recognize that not everything is posted online then that is a you problem that's not the people that you follow because I keep everything offline now and I've never been more mentally stable in my entire life I've never been more confident in my choices and my beliefs and my opinions and I've never been more successful in my business the second I took my 
very opinionated, emotional thoughts off of Instagram was the moment that my business blew up because people didn't need to see me sobbing on my stories. People didn't need to see me bitching and complaining about stuff. I keep those things for my clients if it's relevant to what they're going through as well. And I keep it for my therapist. And what it allows you to do is it allows you to focus in and connect with people on a way that's really lovely and beautiful without the the sadness bonding. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I used to open my DMs. I remember when I used to go on my stories being like, I hate myself, my body, blah, blah, blah. And I would open my DMs and there would be paragraphs of people dumping the most traumatic things I've ever heard in my entire life into my DMs Mm -hmm. and then asking me for help. And I took it upon myself to be like, yes, I can help you because- I've whatever. And then what I realized was one, I can't help. I'm not a therapist. And that's really fucking shady of me to believe that I was and could give support. But two, like it also, I was like, why am I so drained all the time? Why do I feel like, like, why do I? And then I was like getting pissed at people. I'm like, stop trauma dumping in my DMS. Meanwhile, the next day I'm on my live being like, fuck Instagram, like guidelines. Like if I want to be a whore, I'm going to be a whore, like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, how does this work? Like, you got to sometimes look at your own practices. So to answer the question, like there are a lot of topics that need to be talked about. And I talk a lot about them myself, but I have processed through them. I keep other parties out because I also was that bitch on my stories being like, my parents are pieces of shit. My parents didn't consent to be being talked about like that. My parents did not consent to the after fact that my platform was when I was saying things like that. That's not fair to them. And yes, what they were saying to me was also not fair, but they did not consent to their screenshots and their content and their emotional availability to be open to the public as well. Right. So it's a tough conversation, but there's a fine line between... Because mm-hmm. it's yeah, you want to like it is important to show who you are and show your personality and show parts mm-hmm. of you that you feel comfortable about. But it does start to become that situation of oh, I feel like I have to share this, or I think yeah. almost even like sometimes we use our experiences as like leverage in our business mm-hmm. as like okay, well if I talk about this thing, that's what's going to make me successful. When mm-hmm. it should be the opposite. You should have the foundations in your business and the like tools and skills to make it successful and then your personality and the things that you're opening up about connect you to your audience and build that strong community and I think a lot of the problem especially with like a platform like TikTok is that you could have the best intentions and it gets completely turned on its head by someone and you fighting it is not only exhausting for you but then they also interpret that as see this person I gotcha like this person was what I said that they were because you're trying to defend yourself you can't win sometimes on platforms like that and it is so emotionally draining at times to try to fight it yeah I had to I learned that the hard way back in the fall I was on my sec this is like now my third TikTok so I'm on my third TikTok and my fourth Instagram but um I posted a video basically just saying that I believe people deserve love at every stage of their self-love journey and I believe that just because someone doesn't love themselves completely doesn't mean that they don't deserve to have someone in their life to be in a relationship yeah completely and I totally agree and a lot of sex therapists relationship therapists will also agree as well and so I literally just said like I think it's really unfair I think it also like 
tells us that like if we're not perfect that we don't deserve love and then people just are continuously searching for the perfect when there's aka no such thing and I woke up with death threats beyond death threats in my dms in my emails on my instagram and someone even messaged my university telling me to pull my fucking um degrees away because they said I was promoting domestic assault and I was like pardon and they were like, someone who doesn't love themselves will stay with someone who's a piece of shit. I said, yes, sometimes that's true. However, all I'm saying is that like you, like what, how the fuck did you get that? And I see how the progression could have happened because I yeah. also was in ra- really crappy relationships when I didn't love myself a hundred percent, but I still deserved love. Right. And, and, and they were, every single person isn't ready to be in a relationship. Like, where's all, exactly. Balance? Like, where's the balance? Yeah. And so when it comes, like you said, right, like it gets to this point where like I now keep my most genuine, deepest content for my clients, for the people who are open and available to nuance and perspective and who are there ready to listen to what that content is. And so even though that's not necessarily something political or something that's like really going on in the world, like it's still something that people are really triggered by or really like, like, Mm -hmm. holy shit about. So yeah, when it comes to your content, right? Like even as someone who is a sex coach, like the first reason I got deleted was because this girl sent people over to report Mm -hmm. me and what they ended up and it was the same day that I was launching my first ever sex program and so I ended up Mm -hmm. actually getting deleted not for hate speech but actually for nudity and for promoting sexual services and so it was just really ironic because I was promoting a program that was teaching people on self-pleasure and I was, and it was not on Instagram. Like I was teaching this program Mm -hmm. zoom in person and um, it was a program all about self-love and understanding your body and understanding Mm -hmm. like some of the shame that comes with sexuality and also to like taking nudes and how to have like, you know, how to find what sex works for you. And that's what I like got I got deleted for like literally like quote unquote being like a porn star and posting nudes and I'm like that's not Mm -hmm. even what I was doing but that's how it can be taken and also too like that's how sensitive some of the topics are on this platform is Mm -hmm. that like if you have a blue check mark and you'll see people like playboy you'll see like people who are actually like adult performers who have blue check marks posting the wildest stuff ever and I say wild not because I'm judging them but because I will post something that's like five ways to experience self-pleasure outside of the bedroom and I will get banned. Like my whole page will be taken away. Yeah. I have never really understood how the regulation works. It's it's something that I realized like recently, and this is obviously like totally separate from this, but it's crazy to me that there are people that have to like look through all of those reports and they are seeing like probably some crazy stuff like that involved children and harm like actually really terrible things that do not belong on the internet but it's very it's so weird what is I don't know how they establish that like what does deem removal and what does not I don't really know how that process works and it is interesting to me because I have seen, like you said, like you got removed for that, which you weren't even talking about something no. in the background. And then you can scroll the next video on TikTok yeah. and it's like a literal person being like, 
I'm going to fuck his ass and then fucking, yeah. And you're you're just like, oh, Um, the problem with the content that is censored and not censored is that they are very picky with who they are censoring because the people that are speaking openly about it in the way that I am are doing so in a place of personal empowerment. And so when we empower individuals to break free from the systems that want you to hate yourself and be scared of life and be like kept in a little box, like people hate that and it's usually coming from voices of people who have experienced some type of marginalization or some type of um oppression in in the world whether it's um oppression against the way that you look the skin color but also to like being sex workers so we have people who are promoting the like and supporting making sure that sex work is legalized to keep it safe for the people on the streets and for them, the clubs and for people online, and they are getting their whole pages banned. Yet there are people who are allowed to post their literal nipples, aka Kendall Jenner, allowed to post their yeah. actual breasts online, and they don't get taken down. And the problem is, is that you have to look right. at what people are actually promoting it as. For me, I'm like, yeah, let's fucking go. Like, stop fucking buying all this shit. All the ads you see on your Instagram, like, it's wild. So if someone like me is out there being like, don't fall for that. Don't click that button. Don't spend that money. Don't think you're a piece of shit. Don't think you're fucking ugly. Don't think you're worthless. They're like, no, 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 no. Because the second that someone believes in themselves, they don't profit. Someone doesn't profit. And so the more that the marginalized, the more that the oppressed have power, the more that other people lose their privilege and that's scary to them. That's the scariest thing ever. A sexually liberated individual is the scariest individual to all these platforms because the second you fucking feel yourself, no one makes money. You're done. You're done. You're and done. with that, have you ever experienced like um, a consequence or any like backlash from speaking out about being banned or, you know, about like your TikTok pages getting taken down? Because I know, and it's obviously like, you never know with things, but there have been coincidentally times where someone has spoken out even about something like the creator fund and the discrepancy mm-hmm. that's there between the, you know, like YouTube and TikTok or something like that and have maybe experienced like shadow banning or just something weird has happened that they can't really say like, it's because I spoke about this, but it's just weird that it lined up like that. Have you experienced yeah. that? Let me just say, have you ever heard of the blacklist on Instagram? No. Right. I want to. Yes. So in 2019, <laughs> I, got, I was on it for six months, bitch. So the first time I got deleted, I hired a social media person. I thought you were going to say private investigator for something. He kind of was. He kind of was. So that's what he did. So I was like, okay, I got deleted. I started my new page. At this time, I had already had this new page for my in-person event. So I had a thousand people. I'm like, bet thousand people is better than 10, like zero. It's not my 10,000, but whatever. So I'm on my story sobbing. And I'm like, y'all, please share my story. Like, this is so fucking wild to me. Like, I'm lost. I'm gone. I was literally just picking up. And this was when it was still Chronicle. Like, Jess, if I hadn't gotten deleted, I can tell you right now, I'm not making excuses. Bitch, I would have been Blue Star two years ago. I would have been fucking at the... Because I was fucking flying. I was flying. My shit was flying, man. And I had fucking energy back then. And I was flying. Anyways, so I got deleted. And I started this new page. And I reached out to this guy who I know is a social media manager. And he knows everything. And I said, James, I need help. Because oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I said something on my new page isn't working. He goes, "What's up?" I'm like, 
can't fucking DM anyone. I can't add anyone. I can't comment on posts. I can't like posts. I can't search for anyone and people can't fucking find me. What is going on? So I paid him and he came back and he said, there's this, there's this thing called the blacklist. Basically, when you fuck up, your new page gets added to this blacklist and you are highly watched. So could I use locations? No. Could I use hashtags? No. Was I searchable? No. Could people do anything with my shit? No. Could I outreach to anyone? No. And so what you do is you get you get penalized for having a voice and you get penalized for speaking up for yourself. And so at that time, I was talking a lot of shit about how it was unfair and the censorship and how it like censors certain yeah. voices that really need to be heard and not others. And I got shit on. So for six months after my first page, and this is month three of my business, bitch. Like I was not stable to be like, my yeah. peeps got me. My people will find me. No, no, no. I was hustling. Right. And so I literally for the first six months of that account could not do anything. Mm-hmm. Try building a business without being able to fucking like a comment. Right. Or DM people. It was yeah. wild. And so I finally got out of it. I was never allowed to use hashtags or um, I was never allowed to use hashtags or location, location. still to this day. Right. But Are I was definitely, I can on this one, on my, on, on my, this one. is my third account. Yeah. So this one I can. And my last one, I, I abandoned shit myself because you couldn't even type in my handle. Right. right. Completely without mm-hmm. it coming up. That's so crazy. And That's it was so simply wild. because I was encouraging people to quit giving a shit about all the fucking rules that they were told to do and just love themselves. Like that's mm-hmm. wild. And there's no coincidence that people always say, Oh, I'm shadow. Blah, blah, blah. There's no coincidence. If you read the guidelines, they will switch it up so fast. Like someone recently, one of my girlfriends that I follow, she has, I think like 3 million followers, blue check mark on all platforms. And she messaged mm-hmm. me and she's like, you can't even search me. And I said, yeah, do you want wow. to know why? And she goes, dude, I follow every guideline. I said, no, you're not. I said that ad you did three days ago violates three new guidelines. And she's like, but mm. I'm like, yeah, and you were doing fucking nothing, weren't you? And she's like, no. I'm like, I, the second I saw that ad, I knew she was going to go downhill from there. And sure enough, she's now shadow banned beyond belief. And I really have a problem when people say, if you're not shadow banned, your content sucks. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Because they're, the day I spoke about Kim Kardashian saying that stupid thing on International <laughs> Women's Day, my views, my views for my 3,000 person audience went from 1,500 every single day to now 290. The yeah, day. I, I don't, the day. I don't know what is happening right now. Like, I feel like everything is, I, I'm almost like, is there about to be this like really weird, mm-hmm. huge shift in mm-hmm. social media? Because mm-hmm. I've had people who also have like millions of followers who are talking about like, Nothing that could even be considered Mm -hmm. taboo. I mean, I guess if you're getting very, like, philosophical about it, sure. Like, if you're educating people or teaching them about finances or teaching them about, you know, you don't have to go to college or whatever. I guess those things in the long run could be deemed as taboo because, like you said, it would be taking money away from, you know, the people who want money. But, yeah, I've had people that are in that field tell me like dude my tiktok is tanking and like i've even seen that i've seen my engagement has gone down on tiktok my engagement has gone down on instagram mm-hmm. and so i'm like what is happening if it feels like we're like in the eye of a tornado right now it's really weird this is the thing and i hate that i know this from personal experience but 
people have a hard time understanding the social media because they think their content sucks or people don't like them or Instagram doesn't like them. Here's the thing is that Instagram's algorithm, like Instagram is run by us. Like people are like, Instagram's not real. No, 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 no. It's real. And we are telling Instagram what we're interested in. Yeah. So Instagram loves to know what topics we shouldn't be talking about. And they are like super good. And like even TikTok, right? They're like, these are the topics that you're allowed to talk about. If you go outside of that, you're like completely ruined. But also too, every like that you make, every comment, every time you, you lurch, you lurch, search someone and lurk their page. Like you are giving Instagram information. You're giving TikTok information. And the reality is, is that it's a reflection of what's happening in our quote unquote, society, real life, right? Like we have a lot of people who are still racist. So when you don't see black creators, it's because people are acting more, whether they know it or not, inherently within white supremacy versus giving equal powers to everyone, right? And so sometimes I think people are like really focused in on like, oh, like the algorithm and this. And yes, like there's a lot going on there, but there's also a lot going on in the way that we as the humans are utilizing these platforms. So it's like a perfect little cocktail of, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but like like you said, yeah, like there's a lot going on that I think is outside of our power that a lot of people like have a hard time wrapping their head around. And it's so interesting because when you look at like influencers versus like business owners, you could have an influencer with 3 million followers and a business owner who teaches about business with 3 million followers. The engagement discrepancy is crazy. And it's, I'm sure a lot of it is because influencers are usually working with bigger brands and there's a lot of Instagram or TikTok in general. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's difficult because it's, you know, I, I follow this one brand uh, or this one girl who has a brand mm-hmm. um, and her brand's account got like, I think hacked or something like that. And she was like, oh, I just, I need to like reach out to Instagram or something. And I was like, man, imagine having like that at your fingertips. Like I can just reach out to Instagram and they'll respond. And it's like, if you are like not on the map and you try to reach out for Instagram to Instagram when your account gets taken down. Yeah. Good no. luck with that. No, Cause that was me both, like both times. Like the first time I got like completely like disabled and banned and I was like, okay, I'm going to reach out to them and tell them that this is wrong. No, there's no, <laughs> no, crickets. <laughs> crickets. there's no one. And even like, I had people with blue check marks who were like being sent my shit. Like I was yeah. like kind of bumping when my shit went down because like, yeah. it was kind of one of the first big, like, holy shit moments. And in my community, at least, and I'm sure I know it happened before, but like, I had people that like had blue check marks that have friends that work at Instagram messaging me being like, Hey, someone sent me your shit. I'm so sorry this happened to you. I messaged my friend Ryan at Instagram. I'm going to see if they can get it back. And like, literally they were like, Hey, Ryan can't do anything about this. Like there's nothing Ryan can do. And I'm like, Ryan's roasting me. (laughs) Yeah. But it was really interesting because even I had access to people at Instagram and the people at Instagram were like not able to do anything about it. So even now I tried to use my first and last name as a handle or my first my erica eileen as a handle right. uh which right. was my handle when i got dis like disabled my page got disabled um mm-hmm. it says it's user yeah, yeah. In, it says user in is unvalid because it's like someone's using it and i'm like where's my page right 
That, I, I wonder if they. I wonder if they like when an account gets taken down, if they like pull that handle from being able to be used. Yes, they do. But then they say that it's still there. So I'm like, it's really interesting. So yeah, it's that been a journey. Crazy. To be honest, like it's really hard, and and then it's hard watching people get successful mm-hmm. off of unfair content. I would call it like the frustration you can believe and I'm sure maybe if you're listening to this also if you are someone maybe in the same realm as me as like sex and confidence and self-worth but maybe also like I mean now there's like so many topics that are being banned and stuff but like the frustration when you go and you make like really good content that you know people need to hear and you know will help people and then it like gets taken down or it's being reviewed and then you just scroll the next fucking video and it's some like person like literally half naked which is like not slut shaming please don't take that for this but it's like I'm telling people why, to get naked. Why yeah, like, why is my video that's saying spend more time naked with yourself not okay, but, like, someone who's literally wearing not much is is okay? Like, mm-hmm. then you start to be like, oh. Like, yeah, it's frustrating. Saw, yeah, there's, like, this – I saw this um, – like uh, watch my podcast podcast get banned after this mm-hmm. <laughs> um but no i saw this page of this girl who was like 15 or like maybe she, i think she was 14 when she just mm-hmm. like first started and it is like so inappropriate like i'm like oh my god i feel like so uncomfortable even seeing this and there's so many people that have made videos about it that are like there are so many people who are going to misuse this content and are not, you know, 20 year old or girls in their twenties like us that are men who are in their fifties looking at this, who are going to use it in a really inappropriate way, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's there. She has like millions of followers and I'm just like, Oh my God, this is so scary. There's this level of like, yes, everyone deserves to express themselves and be Mm -hmm. themselves and you know, it's like this conversation and I won't, I don't have the answers. And like, I can't sleep and breathe this shit, but it's like, yeah, at what point are we like, okay, holy fuck, like what is going on here? What is the, what is the purpose of all of this? And like, yes, like there's like this part of me that's like, I want to love and hold that 14 year old because I'm just like, man, like, are you being forced to do this? Like, is you under management and they're like, there's a lot of really whack stuff going on, but then yeah, like, then it's like infuriating because you're like, there's sexual educators and like, let's just like call it spade for spade a lot of them are folks in marginalized bodies that are literally getting banned left right and center for teaching Mm -hmm. you about online safety and teaching you how to like be yourself and like not like oh god it's just really frustrating like it's really scary to see what flies and what doesn't I know and along that same line is there anything that you I want to ask this question and then I want to kind of get into the sobriety conversation but is there anything that you feel like should be like considered off limits in the online space especially and maybe we'll tie it into like business and if there if so what would that be and if not do you think that there should be kind of like any censorship and regulations in place in general what would that be for the reason why censorship and regulations don't work is because everyone has a different opinion about what is okay and what's not. Right. So even yeah, for me, so I'm like posting about like helping people like self-pleasure and there's like a whole side of the internet that's like absolutely not. And then oh, there's a whole that. side of the internet yeah. that's like a hundred percent what you're doing is nothing wrong. And so it's right. really hard to have a stable. And I, this is something that mm-hmm. I had to learn to come to peace with and, Cause I kept being so pissed at all these platforms and I'm like, well, I don't blame them. Like, like it's really hard yeah. to kind of tell what's good and what's not. 
to be completely honest, like, I don't really know if there's any specific type of topics that I would say, like, keep it off your page, because your business is a reflection of you and you are a reflection of your business. And so if something Mm -hmm. means a lot to you, and it's a core value to you, then it's probably a core value in your business. Like, for me, like accessibility. Yeah, yeah, for me, accessibility is a huge thing. And very specifically, if I'll go like even closer, like financial accessibility. So I'm not I don't charge what the average coach charges. What you could be, yeah. Mm -hmm. What I could be. And it's because I don't like it means a lot to me to get for to allow people access to the resources that they deserve. And that means a lot to me. Whereas for some people, they don't give a fuck and they just charge $10,000 for three months and that's fine. And Mm -hmm. so I think when it comes to topics, it's the same thing. Like if it means a lot to you and if it's something that carries day to day or into your business, then yeah, absolutely talk about it. But if it's something that means a lot to you also, it's also okay to keep that off and for you to enjoy Mm -hmm. that relationship safely offline like for me um I don't talk about my sexuality because Mm -hmm. I don't care what people know about my sexuality I don't care what people know about my sex life I love my sexuality my journey with my sexuality and just because I'm a sex coach doesn't mean I need to share about that um but I will share about like really great accessible resources about sex and I'll share a lot about like people that I love or opportunities right like there's ways that you can share about topics without having to share like the parts of it that are closest to you yeah there totally is and it's you can always I think that kind of people people kind of confuse showing up confidently online or showing yourself as telling your audience everything about you. And I feel like I also really withdrew a lot of things in the past like year, maybe less, because there are a lot of things that I don't feel comfortable talking about because of, you know, maybe my childhood or things that I grew up around or, you know, even like something as simple as like my relationship. Like I keep a lot of my relationship offline because that feels, it feels like it's like this haven that I can go to outside of work. And I like that it doesn't have to be so tied to it and something that's super easily accessible to my entire audience. And you really start to second guess yourself sometimes because you're like, oh, well, you know, I probably could get more views or I probably could, you know, build an audience more if I did talk about this one thing, but at what cost sometimes? So I think it's really important for, and this is something that happens over time. It's it's going to be a process. Like there are things that I've talked about too that 100%. aren't even like that huge of a deal where I'm like, oh, I kind of wish that I wouldn't have talked about that, 100%. but that's okay. That's like the process yeah, of it all. So it takes yeah. time to get to that point, it but does. having that conversation with yourself of like, okay, what about my personal life or my beliefs is really sacred to me? And is it necessary for like, is it necessary for me to talk about this? Is, does it feel good for me to talk about this or does it yeah. feel like I does it obligated? Serve, yeah. And like, yeah. what is it serving? Like I always tell my yeah. clients, like, are you posting something for validation or are you yeah. posting it because it actually serves a purpose? And sometimes people are like, and I'm like yeah that's yeah, a tough question good right like I've posted yeah. a lot of fucking skanky ass shit for validation when I was really <laughs> struggling with my breakup yeah. and my parents like and I we were mm-hmm. disconnected and I just like was looking for so many sources of love and so yeah I was posting a lot of shit and then now I'm like I right. went through like my old profile before because I was gonna the just, archives and I I actually was like respectfully Erica no wonder you got shadow banned. No wonder people <laughs> were talking shit about you. And like, not no. to say like, I should blame myself. But yeah, there was a lot right. of stuff that was like, and not to say that they should have 
judged me for doing it, but I can see why. So let me just mm-hmm. rephrase that because I think it came out wrong. But like, I can see why I got the hate that I got. I can see, I can mm-hmm. understand the discomfort for my audience mm-hmm. watching me do what I was doing because yeah, there's now looking mm-hmm. back, I'm like, I would never post anything like that now. And that's not right. even from fear of being shadow banned. That's just like, I just want to keep it to myself. Like one time, like right. the talk, the relationship, like I, my previous relationship, my six year relationship that I left, like it was all online. Like Brendan played like one of the biggest roles in my brand because we had this like really cool relationship. And when we broke up, I had a client leave me and ask for a refund because she was so upset that I broke up with Brendan. Yeah. That's crazy. That's wild. Yeah. Like imagine your client wild. being like, I can't believe that you broke up with Brendan. He's done nothing to you, but be- be kind and you're over here literally telling him that he's not and I'm like pardon and like literally asked for a refund so I gave her her money back and I said goodbye absolutely like bye yeah see yeah like bye like Like, get out of here I'm like push you out of the door yeah so it's I would say if something means something to you and it's like a really sacred thing for you it's okay to keep it private yeah and share it with clients or share it with your yeah your peeps and that's mm-hmm. that's also cool clients also like like okay i know we'll talk about sobriety but also too clients love knowing that you're giving them i know a oh, little yeah. bit more about themselves than the audience is getting right like people yeah. on calls and they're sobbing about something to me and i'm like can, like not to make this about me but like can i offer you some support and recognizing that like i also but and they're like instantly they're like wow i knew i fucked with you for a reason like i knew i fucking chose you for a reason like that means so much to me that you admitted that you only have this much money or that you fucked up your taxes or that you are having problems in your own sex life as a sex coach as well like it's really nice for your your clients to know that they get a little bit more of that from you yeah, I agree. The our, our DCA calls and voice notes, they can get juicy. And Ooh. it's fun. It is fun. Like it feels it very is. special to people. And it's yeah. it's nice because it is like a safer space for you as the business owner. And it but in that situation it is benefiting everyone. So yeah, I love that. It's piece not that it's a secret, too. it's just that you're gonna keep it private. There's right. a difference between the two. That. Yeah. Okay. So, Brandy, I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah. So, are you you're, are you comfortable talking about this? Oh yeah, I talk about it okay. every day on my podcast. Like, it'd be so okay. weird if I said no. Cool. <laughs> you're like, actually, I don't think so. Um, okay. So, what are you sober from? What are you sober from? Because that can mean a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's like also such an exciting thing too. Is that like you get to define what that means? So, for me, being sober is against. Um, alcohol and drugs that are Mm -hmm. ingested into me through the mouth so for example like I will still use alcohol hand sanitizer like hand sanitizer has alcohol in it um Mm -hmm. I will still use like CBD lip balm if it's the only lip balm that I have in the space um but yeah Mm -hmm. like actively seeking out um an amount to like take in through my mouth or through my nose or through that type of consumption okay Got it. And what what kind of like led you to that decision? Of course, you know, that's the next question because it's interesting. Well, go ahead. You tell me and then I'll I'll add what I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just like preference that like if you are someone that is struggling with sobriety right now or like on your own journey to recovery, like I I'm just going to speak very openly and 
about a lot yeah. of like emotions and feelings and you're more than welcome to skip forward and yeah. you know but I I I'm just warning yeah I just want to kind of be like a little bit like be able to be a little bit authentic right now and very vulnerable but um 2020 my business blew up so in January of 2020 I broke up with my partner six years who I lived with and that was really hard and also to um my family and I became disconnected to each other and it was also then the pandemic so this was from January 27th to March 15th, all that had happened. Um, and so for the month of February in between that, I actually ended up living on the road in my car. Um, I was really struggling, but my business was booming. So everything was crashing down. And the only place that I could put my heart and soul was really into my business because I was seeing some type of validation and it was through income, but also through like people needing me. And it was at a time that I really felt like I needed to be felt like, I had a place and someone that needed me. And so that kind of happened in March of February, 2020. Like I just, I just like started dating so many people. I was like kind of like a loose cannon and it's not like hard for me to talk about right now, but I look back and I'm like, how the fuck was I living? Like I was so unregulated. I was like, I was going out and I was like having sex with a lot of people and I wasn't being like very respectful for myself. I wasn't wearing condoms. I wasn't like, and it was like hard because I was also a sex coach, but like it just very much was reflective in like what was going on outside of like everything that was kind of like at the surface. And so I really struggled Mm -hmm. in 2020 with my parents. Um, We are good now and we're starting to mend our relationship, but I went from 26 years of my parents being my, my, both my best friends to them, like essentially asking me to like leave the house and not contact them yeah. and not be associated to the family name and stuff. And it completely broke me. And then on top of that, like leaving my partner that I had for six years that I thought I was going to be with forever. And so in relation to that, and then my business booming and the fucking pandemic, mm-hmm. the only thing that I knew what to do was to grab for alcohol and weed. And it's funny because when people think of like addiction, a lot of the times they like see a picture in their head and I don't even have to tell you what you're looking at or thinking about right now. Because when I say the word addicted to alcohol and drugs, you have an image in your head of who that looks like and the actions and the amount that they're taking. But the problem is, is that what people don't understand is that it doesn't have to be a certain amount for you to become a certified addict. You don't have to be using it a certain amount of times to be quote unquote, an addict, it's the energies behind it. And it's the necessity to, to use it. And so I went my whole 2020, just being an absolute, I just like, not in a mean way to myself, but like just an absolute shit show. Like, Mm. I knew that I couldn't, I knew that I didn't want to regulate my emotions through eating and exercise, which is what I had healed myself of for previous years. So I had already dealt with that. And so I just ended up putting a lot of my stress and my emotions into drinking and alcohol and drugs. What happened was towards the end of 2020, um, I was really scared because it was my first Christmas alone and Christmas is like a huge Mm. thing for our family. And so on Christmas morning I I had I had it planned for a couple of weeks because I knew it was going to be a hard day so I bought my favorite bottle of Prosecco um for my girlfriend and I was like I'm gonna just have like the biggest bougiest brunch by myself I'm gonna get drunk I'm gonna listen to my favorite Ariana Grande Santa Baby and I'm just gonna have a great day and then what ended up happening was that my parents actually dropped by that day um on a surprise and I was really anxious and I was really just noticing like how much I didn't understand about my feelings and how much I had pushed aside. And so once they left, I ended up drinking the whole bottle of Prosecco. 
and I ended up having a bath and I went in the bath completely drunk and I fell asleep. And then the Mm. next day I was like, what the fuck is your problem? And it was like, Mm -hmm. in a really mean way, I had to literally be kind of like a little bit of a see you next Tuesday to myself because I was like, what were you thinking? And obviously I wasn't because I was like Mm -hmm. belligerent. Right. I ended up booking an emergency therapy session with one of my counselors that I have with my diabetes center. And I told her what had happened and I hadn't made this connection, but she was like, I'm curious if you were maybe also curious about what could happen. So like you Mm. maybe didn't consciously be like, Oh, I want to unalive myself, but maybe like, let's just see how much, how what happens. Yeah. See what happens or like also too like I need attention, I need energy back put on mm-hmm. me, like what can I do to get that? And that was really hard for me to hear because I at the time again was a confidence coach. I was a sex coach. I was yeah. in very deep tune with my emotions and my realities. Um and so that was hard for me to hear and so that was like the 28th of December and I told myself like January 1st I'm doing one year and it was a promise to myself that I was going to be able to just try to do something that wasn't like healing my energy through something really negative. So I knew I could, sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. Um, is that, was that, what was that like? Was that super difficult for you? Like, cause I know that, you know, something that you said was what I was going to say before you started speaking, which was that we have this image of addiction in our mind. Mm-hmm. And it is such, I mean, it is such a topic to get into, but it's mm-hmm. difficult because there's this line of like, okay, well, I'm functioning, I'm running mm-hmm. a business, I'm doing all of these things, but I feel like this might be a problem or like something yeah. that is not maybe like a really healthy thing for me am I addicted to it or am I not? Because there's this image that we all get thrown of like this person who can't function and is drinking all day and is, you know, just a complete wreck. That's what we think of. And it's, it's really, it's, it's really wild. But what was owner that's a cute little girly, like dancing on TikTok and dancing on fucking Instagram and then Mm -hmm. noticing, Oh, like my parents didn't tell me my dog died find out on TikTok because I saw my ex-boyfriend crying over my dead dog. And so instead of me taking that to my therapist, let me just drink this bottle. Because talking to my therapist about this is going to be a long journey. Having a drink and falling asleep, that seems a lot easier, right? It's easier. And so that's what my life became. And so when I made that decision, I didn't decide forever that it would be like, okay, this is like an all or nothing. But what it was, it was okay, you've healed your relationship with food and exercise. You need to now heal this relationship with another outlet that can, you know, be a replacement for your emotions. And I told myself, I'm going to stop drinking and work through my feelings. So every coach that I hired in 2021 was a mindset coach, a confidence coach, a health coach, a diabetes coach, anything. I said anything but business coach and anything but alcohol and drugs. And so the first three months were the worst three months of my entire fucking life because I had to face every relate and every emotion was heightened. So the problem that a lot of people experience, and I didn't know that this was a thing because again, I went completely cold turkey. Like I didn't research things that could happen. I didn't research. Like I just literally was like, fuck Erica. Like, no, no, no. 
No. Yeah. And so the first three months I was feeling everything so heavily. And so I was struggling so much because I had such deep depression. And I remember I was like suicidal and my best friend would have to like literally let me drive around with him for eight hours at his job because he was like, you can't even be alone right now. And like, I know you're not going to drink because you're such a strong ass woman. And I know you're not going to do drugs, but like, oh my God, like you're not okay. Yeah. So the first three months were so hard. And so there's this condition or and I can't remember the proper name, but someone in my audience actually helped me with it. And she's a therapist for addictions. And it's essentially where it's like you have suppressed so many emotions for so long that when you experience it, it just feels like it's even heightened because there's just mm-hmm. nowhere for it to go. And so it feels like your sadness right. is just extra sad. And so my first three months were really hard with that, but I didn't ever feel the urge to drink and to smoke. Mm-hmm but I felt the urge to just have something. And so it took me until from January until November to find Mm. an outlet. And so I actually started back working out again um, with a personal Mm. trainer. And it was because I had spent from January to November making sure that I wasn't just jumping back into exercise to find another place to put my energy. So I took my time. I went to like, again, I didn't go to therapy. I told myself I didn't want to go to therapy, but I wanted to like work with people who had just different ways of living. Mm -hmm. And so I did that. And so it took me up until like almost November to really feel confident that I could do it. Now, luckily for me also too, in the summer of 2021, I actually ended up starting to date my partner that I'm currently with right now. And he's Muslim and he doesn't drink. So not to Mm. be like because of him, but genuinely from the bottom of my heart, I can also say too that my one best friend, Lewis, he has epilepsy, so he doesn't drink. So I spent a huge amount of time with him. Um, I also like had a lot of support from my friend Lauren and my other friends who like would not bring alcohol home. And then I also went from dating and like last year I was dating this guy who was like partying every weekend. And that's Mm -hmm. when I was, I started to struggle in the spring of last year because they were like, my business was booming, but then also too, I started doing sex work at the time. And then I was dating this guy and I was like emotional about the sex work. Cause I didn't realize how intense it was. And then I also mm-hmm. was dating this guy who was super into drinking and he was like choosing drinking instead of me. So there was like so much going on. So once I pulled right. from that, I was like, Oh no, 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 no. We have to date someone that does not value alcohol the way that this person does. And so I, mm-hmm. I ended up going on a date in the summer with this guy and he doesn't drink and he doesn't smoke as well. And so that was helpful. So the majority of the people that I was surrounding myself with were people who were not even like thinking or like Mm -hmm. considering alcohol or drugs anytime soon. And like I said, back in like November, I was like, okay, I need to like start finding outlets for my energy and for my emotions. And so I ended up working with a personal trainer who understood what this workout once a week was actually representing. So for me, it wasn't about the workout. It was about finding a place for me to physically exude my emotions because I was so sick and tired of it being in my head. And so Mm -hmm. that was like the hardest, to be honest, recently, I've actually been like, I really could go for a drink right now. But Mm. it wasn't because I was like stressed and anxious and upset. It was more from that place of like, it's sunny. And I just like want to be on a patio so bad and like, have a drink. But it wasn't like I need to drink. It was like, oh, this. Yeah, seasonally, this is like when I would probably crack open a beer and like have my first beer outside or something. Um, So that was like when I only noticed it. But to be completely honest, like, I took less 
like I cut my business in half for 2021 Mm -hmm. because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to handle the workload of what I had in 2020. If I also wanted to like heal this part of my relationship and in my year of sobriety, I learned about my family having a lot of layers of alcoholism. I had a lot of Mm -hmm. things come up that I didn't know about. And I had to allow myself to be like, for a couple of years, it's okay for us to not make as much money if it means really learning and understanding our emotions, our triggers, and the things that got us to that place in the first time. Yeah. And so are you are you planning to like keep with it? Yeah. Right now I'm planning to keep with it. I just take it day by day. Um, I'm still with that partner that is sober. So that also is like, really easy yeah. and again like if anyone's listening being like well you shouldn't make decisions based on a part like shut up shut up <laughs> like shut yeah. up like honestly like it's it, it it's like it it's like support my partner like allows me to continue to work on myself and so now I'm actually in therapy this year I decided that I would do therapy for a year and really mm-hmm. like continue to work on that and it's been great and I feel amazing and I feel awesome and I know that like even though I feel my emotions really heavily I made so much peace with myself that like my emotions deserve to live and exist not only in my life, but in my business as well. And so I implemented one week off a month that I don't take any calls or don't do any work. Um, Mm. I like, I cut down on the clients that I take. Like I was making like 20, 30 K a month and now I make 10 to 12 controllably Mm -hmm. because that's what my emotional. Yeah. And like, just like how I'm like, very able to feel really sad and angry and frustrated. I also have this like really incredible opportunity and experience in my life where I get to feel joy and pleasure and happiness Mm -hmm. to a point where I don't think many people actually get to experience with themselves. So I've just decided Mm -hmm. to make that a decision that like, I want to continue to feel these emotions because the lows are really heavy, but the highs are like Mm -hmm. even better. Yeah. I, that is so cool. And I, I love hearing about stories like that. Um, I read this book, it was called, I don't know if you've heard of it. It was called quit like a woman. And I was like, I was just, I was like, Oh my God. I just looked it up to look at what like the subtext on the front of the book is. And it's quit like a woman, the radical choice to not drink in a culture obsessed with alcohol. And that book was like, I saw like some girl post about it and I was like, oh, um, this would be interesting because it's such a insidious, it's such an insidious thing, alcohol, because you go from, uh, you know, having a few drinks or maybe just drinking on the weekend. And then during the weeknights, you're like, oh, I want to drink. And then you're like, oh, I want a shot. And it is wild how quickly it can just compound until you are functioning every day. And I've even experienced this before, like drinking, you know, multiple days a week because it's like, oh, well, I'm at home, I'll have a drink or I'm going out, I'll have a margarita. And then you're drinking on the weekends and then you don't realize it until you're drinking every single day. And you're like, what just happened? Like, I didn't even realize it. And by that point, we don't, we often don't view alcohol. And this book was something that kind of really opened mm-hmm. my eyes to the that. The same way we view mm-hmm. drugs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, you don't realize it until you then, like I went, I was like, okay, I'm not going to drink during the week anymore. It was hard. Like yeah. it was difficult. And I was like, 
that is terrifying to me because I didn't even, I didn't even think of that as a thing yeah. as, oh, this might be difficult to not drink during the week. Like I did, I, I didn't really even drink at all until I was 21. And then I, you know, those were my years where yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going oh, out man. all the time, partying, yeah. having fun. Yeah. And then it's like, wow, am I, do I even enjoy this? Or is this a way to just cope with things and to mm-hmm. take my mind off of things? And it is especially difficult when it's in your family. My family deals with a lot of it too my brother has been sober now for three years Mm. and it's it's just wild because it is so bad for us and this is not I'm not again not judging anyone who drinks I still drink yeah yeah but I I mean I still drink but it's so bad for you and it's even like I recently got this ring it's called like the aura ring and it tracks your sleep and on the nights yeah when I drink like on the nights that I drink my sleep is terrible compared to like when I actually look at it on the app it's so bad compared to when I am am not drinking and you're you don't even realize it you're like oh I'm tired all the time I have no idea why this would be it and then you're like oh yeah it's the alcohol we're just told that it's fine and that wine is good for you and all these things and something else that I've become very like open to as well is just recognizing too like I mean to throw it back into business like how many brands right now are like how it's very like almost like popular to include champagne or wine into your luxury branding right so like even like there's so many pictures of like so many people like that are like bad bitch women in business like holding Mm -hmm. their wine and like and yes like we deserve to celebrate and like if you have a healthy relationship with alcohol like this is like it's, it's not to say like everyone this is not for you yeah but like I think we really normalize and I also recognized it as well when I went sober how it's so fucking normalized in motherhood too like oh I'm just gonna have like my wine wine mom wine mom yeah and it like makes me it's on like baby onesies it's on baby's onesies I know and so I think like a big thing for me too was just like I recognize like a lot of the flaws in the beauty industry years ago I recognize a lot of flaws in like a lot of like you know those things and then now I'm like wow, like it is really normalized and it's normalized in a lot of our branding and the way that we go about things. And even like, um, there's a lot of like events for business. And the first thing that they say is like, there's going to be wine there. And I'm like, okay, I get that. But like, why does it have to be the selling point? Like you're literally one of the baddest bitches ever. Like you don't need wine to sell your, for people Mm -hmm. to come to sell your, your program or to your mastermind. Right. So it's really interesting, like how it, cause I didn't think it would show up in my business like that way, but I didn't realize also too, like, oh yeah. Like even like with like client gifts, um, mm-hmm. I got like a client gift from a coach that I worked with and like it was like champagne flavored gummies um, oh yeah and then it was like mm-hmm. champagne flavored stuff and there was like alcohol in it and like that's fine but like I just was like oh my god it's like literally so normalized that we don't even like we don't even we think just, about we it just think that everyone does it yeah like and now when I yeah. tell people like I'm sober they're like oh <gasps> uh-huh. and I'm like oh my god wait why why like yeah like it's just it's a really it's, uh-huh. it's been really interesting because I never really had that relationship with it until I was on the other end right and I, it's you know and we also like normalize hangover so much like oh I'm oh, just yeah, hungover like, I'm getting through it Mickey D's, like go to McDonald's oh, and like eat greasy food and barf all day 
It's so bad. And it's not like, I mean, I remember like I, around that time where I was like, okay, I need to stop drinking during the week period that I had had during that time, some of the worst, I don't know if it's just my age or what, but or actually it's probably just the fact that, you know, alcohol is bad for you, but I had had some of the worst hangovers, like debilitating, can't get out of the bed until 9 PM hangovers. Mm -hmm. And I was, I remember there was one specifically where I was like, what I felt so guilty. I felt so bad about myself. There was so much like shame surrounding it that I was like, wow, this is like really bad. And that was kind of around the time where I like cut it out during the week. And it was interesting because it reminded me, you can't go silently into this. It it reminded me of when I was, I was vegetarian for like eight or nine years. And I was that really yes oh my god then but and i'm so then you're gonna resonate with this it's the constant questions the constant jokes you don't why aren't you ordering me i'm vegetarian oh blah blah blah. there's this joke and i i hate it was so annoying to me Mm -hmm. that it was such a thing it's like it really i just don't eat meat it's fine yes (laughs) oh my god yeah going alcohol and drug free really really amplified how much people obsess over other people's bodies for no fucking yeah. reason. Like, I'm like, but what's yeah. it to you that I don't yeah. drink? Like, what's it to you? Like, why does that matter to right. you? Like, how is that affecting your life? But it was very invasive to recognize how much we care about the other people, like, like random people's bodies. Right. And so much projecting your own feelings onto them. Because the thing is, it's whenever you are in a culture that is very obsessed or is very like does normalize alcohol so much, people, I would say more people than we think have a problem with alcohol. It's just very managed. And so whenever you decide to make a decision of yeah, I'm, I'm either not drinking or I'm limiting myself to this or whatever it is that makes other people really uncomfortable because they no longer the have that, that safe space to overindulge in. So it's that, oh, well, you think you're better than me or you think that you're doing this? And it's like, no, you're talking about it, not me. <laughs> it's the mirror. Remember how I was talking about when people yeah. like don't like what they and then it's because there's a mirror being held up. They don't like that yeah. mirror. It's totally true. And yeah. it's funny too, because even one of my best, so my best friend, Lauren, she is, um, her family owns a wine importing company in Mm -hmm. Canada like she's one of the most like famous wine importers in all of Mm -hmm. the world and so people were so confused too because they were like how the fuck are you going sober when your best friend is like one of the highest selling and I said because my best friend recognizes that like everyone can have a different relationship with alcohol and it was so beautiful because she was so helpful in my journey because she obviously has her own relationship with wine and with alcohol as as everyone Mm -hmm. does but she was so she was so good at opening my eyes to realize that like we all have a relationship everyone's looks different and alcohol is not for everyone drugs is not for everyone and some people can have a really Mm -hmm. safe relationship with it at a very copious amount and Mm -hmm. some people simply cannot and that's okay and so she was so helpful too, like guiding me in that because she's had her like she said like she's had to learn her own relationship especially because it's her job like and she was so helpful in like giving me tips and tricks into like perspective into what alcohol can do for me and how it can exist in my life without having it to be in my body so she was really helpful like being like okay like when you go out to restaurants like just look at that menu first and see what drinks you want to get so you don't feel called to get a drink 
Or if they say, mm-hmm. oh, there's complimentary drinks, just say, great, I'll like, can you please make sure that there's pop there as I don't drink alcohol? Like things like that. And right. it was just like so helpful because I had this approach to it that's like zero or a hundred. Whereas like yes. someone who literally <laughs> imports wine into massive, massive, massive restaurants was like, no, 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 no. Like it can still be in your life. You just don't have to be the one indulging in it. And I thought that was such a beautiful lesson to learn as well. Yeah, totally. It's yeah. Having that support is so important. And it's interesting because it's, it, there are so many people who, like you said, can have a healthy relationship with it. It's just not even a thing. They'll have a drink Mm -hmm. once, once in a while. It's just not something to think of. And something that I realized was, and I actually saw like a TikTok video about this that was talking about like, how alcohol can bring out like the evil within people and that could be you know like attributed I mean this is obviously very nuanced and I don't remember all the specifics of it but that can be like attributed to why we may see so much evil in the world and something I kind of realized was that um whenever like obviously growing up I think it depends also on like how much trauma have you experienced like growing up dealing having like a really difficult childhood and dealing with you know like I to be honest one of my biggest fears in life is becoming like my mom and my mom didn't have a problem with alcohol but there are so many reactions and tendencies I have especially in like interpersonal relationships that are because of my childhood and I have worked so hard to become self-aware of that. And I started to realize like, wow, when I drink alcohol, it is really like, I'm not the type of person who drinks alcohol and is like super sad or anything. I'm like, woo, let's, you know, whatever. But I notice my irritability, my reactionary, like my reactiveness, all of that is so heightened. And I have had so many situations that didn't need to be situations or wouldn't have been had I not been drinking. And so it's one of those things that if you have experienced things like that, or if you were in like a spot where you were actively trying to work through things, it can be really, really challenging for you to partake in alcohol at all. Yeah, I remember last um, in in the summer of 2020, I like was knee deep in love with this guy that I was dating. And Mm -hmm. I strictly remember getting super, super drunk and calling him 72 times (laughs) in one night. And the next day he woke up and he was like, get your shit together because I'm not fucking dating someone that can't even like and I was like, and he's sober. And I was like, fuck, man, like, yeah, like not to yeah. be embarrassed or anything, but I, I was looking at like how I existed outside of my alcohol use. And I was like, I wouldn't, right. bitch, Never. trust me. If a man doesn't pick up after the first time, I'm not fucking calling back. Yeah, goodbye. I'm so <laughs> against my fucking religion. Like, no, you don't want, you let them know, hey, I called, talk to you soon. And if they don't want to fucking like recognize that, then goodbye. Like I'm not, yeah. call, I'm not even call five times. So when I, when he said, like sent me a screenshot that it said Erica 72 beside it, like oh. my heart literally dropped, but I still did it. Yeah. Right. So it took, yeah. it took some time. And I think it's in reflection to like, you know, business owners and stuff. Like it's, it's very reflective to the fact that I was like, okay, like sometimes, yeah, you keep making the same mistake, but at some point you will learn to adapt. It's the same the way that I used to talk about, um, you know, sex online. I made a lot of mistakes in, in my frustrations and in my emotions and sharing the inequalities and putting that out there. And now I know that when I'm frustrated with how the world is going or how the algorithm's treating me or whatever, then I just, I just keep it to myself. And it's okay to like yeah. know that like if you are, whether it's sobriety, your business, like 
anything. It's okay if you make the same mistake multiple times. Right. Right? right. Even just becoming aware. Like in July, that's when I became aware that I was like, okay, this is like not good. And then it took me yeah. all the way till December to like really be like, oh, fuck, like this is really not good. But that's okay. It's okay. It's, yeah. Self-compassion it's such a process. So and it, yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's always a lot of times, I mean, and obviously there's situations, exclusive situations where something's so bad that maybe someone else intervenes. But whenever you are on that journey yourself, there is so much, it, it takes getting to that point where you want to do it and it can take a long time to get to that point. Even totally. if you see things that are maybe like a vice for you that are, you can see like, okay, this is not good. I kind of want to maybe like pull myself back from this. It often takes that something happening where you're like, okay, Holy shit. now I have to do this yeah. and I'm really wanting to do this. Yeah. That's when you really have like the power to be able to pull back from it. Yep, totally. Everyone gets to their rock bottom and then yeah, then they find their mm-hmm. way out. Totally. Yes. Oh my gosh, Jess, I just well, got a yeah. notification that said my computer's dying because I came in with 100% not thinking that we were going to talk for two forking hours. I know, ah! I know. We're like going off I literally had to cancel okay. my plans with my man. I said, I'm not coming tonight. Oh no, oh no. I said, no, it's, he can, he's fine. He's fine. I'm you're you're going to call him. He's going to call you 72 times. <laughs> He's going to call me 72 times being like, hello. No, it's all good. I just was laughing because I, I was like, oh my gosh, like where did the time go? I know. It's really know. great though. You know cool. why? Because like it is, it offers like having these conversations are hard, but it also offers like people reflection as well. So even like for people that might not be mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm alcoholic or like, oh, I'm addicted. Yeah. They might be able to just be like, okay, let me like take a step back. Like, are there some patterns that are a little bit funky? And that's right. What is my relationship with it? And I, and like to kind of just to like wrap things up in terms of like topics, right? Like this is a, these are the spaces that we should be having really nice conversations about some of these topics because it's safe and it gives us time. Imagine trying to have Mm -hmm. this depth of a conversation on our Instagram story right now. Like it just can't exist. Chaos. (laughs) Yeah. Like our stories will like they, Instagram would be like, stop. Like we can't. Yeah. They're like, you're done. You're at your limit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So like for people who are like, I don't know where to put my information. Like sometimes a blog, a newsletter, a podcast is just a really beautiful space for you to be able to express that part of you without it being like, misunderstood or not not like at the point where you want it to be yeah I totally agree well thank you so much for opening up and sharing so much I think this is going to be really helpful for a lot of people so you you have a big impact are you gonna put this in two I love you are you gonna put this in two episodes or one We'll probably do one. Yeah, we usually one do one. Chunker. I love long podcasts. I mean, I, lo- I like both of them. I like both of them for different reasons. I, I like, like the shorter ones too, but yeah, I'm you a like good, like size ones. I'm a good one and a half hour bitch. Like that's like a drive into okay. the city. That's like a walk on the yep. treadmill. Like that's like a good. Yep. yep. It's like a little yeah, like I you're agree. hanging out with some girlfriends while you're working. Like it's good. Yeah. It's good. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it. thank you for having me. As always, Erica, let everyone know where they can find you yeah. for now on social media. <laughs> I know, literally every single podcast I'm on, I'm like, today you can find me here, but you never know tomorrow. Um, no, my, the best place to get in touch with me is um, on my Instagram, which is it's Erica Eileen. E-R-I-K-A-E-I-L-E-E-N. Jess will also post it in the show notes as well. Um, You can Mm -hmm. message me there. You can find my email there. I also just want to preference and say that if there is something in this podcast that like 
you don't agree with to be completely transparent. Like I'm very open, but also too, like I will not take any type of bullshit in my DMS or email. So if you have a really strong opinion, like please just either keep it to yourself and block me or, (laughs) and I just say that because I've been in the position where people have come at me with their own personal beliefs. Um, But also too, on that same same topic but different scale if this really resonated with you if you need some support if you're looking for someone to kind of like experience a conversation with around these topics you are also more than welcome to reach out to me and message me I love to have these conversations with people because I just want people to feel good about where they are in their life yeah I love it all right everyone go follow Erica Erica also has a podcast it's called rated e for Erica and I'm gonna wedge my way in there as a guest someday hell yeah (laughs) send you an email later tomorrow baby yeah okay thank you everyone for listening i'll talk to you on the next episode Bye. bye thank you for listening to the digital state of mind podcast i am your host jessica hawks and i am so happy to have you here follow along with us on instagram at the digital state of mind so that we can stay connected with you and get your feedback on what you want to hear on the show i know everyone says this but we're serious okay <laughs> Talk to you next time.